Good morning, everybody. My name's Anthony. Uh, it's good to be with you today. Um, let's pray before I begin. Dear Lord, thank you so much that you want to be known. Thank you that by your word, by your spirit, um, through your people, you do communicate with us. So please calm our hearts so that we can hear what you might have for us today. Amen. Uh, as you know, uh, we're in a series, um, and if you didn't know, you know that we're. Uh, this is the second part of a series um, called Move, Habits of a Disciple, and it's a very practical series about what we're supposed to do as Christians. And at the end of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you until the end of the age. And where to be disciples and where to go and make disciples, which obviously brings a pretty captain obvious question to mind, and and that is, what is, what is a disciple? And I think uh, Jonathan Parnell has a really helpful definition. And he says that a disciple is someone who learns from Jesus to live like him. Someone who, because of God's awakening grace, conforms his or, his or her words and ways to the ways of Jesus. And I think it's a fantastic quote and the key phrase for our introduction today is because of God's awakening grace. As God's grace and the reality of his mercy becomes more and more real and significant in our lives, we'll be prompted to do certain things. Because, you see, there's a danger when we speak about discipleship and there's a, a danger in a series like this. And the danger is that we're going to miss the point. And so as, as you tune in to today's service, you've got a bag on your back. We all do. And, and some of our bags are, are pretty light and easy to carry. Life's sort of chugging along okay. And others of us have got pretty heavy bags full of worries or sadness or anxiety. So what sort of week have you had? <laughs> My week? Oh, it's been a bit tough. Not disastrous, but not easy. The challenges of, of lockdown, and isolation, having kids uh, at home doing homeschooling and then being a teacher trying to teach my own students as well. Um, it's not an easy time for any of us. And, and so the danger in this series and, and even in this sermon is that you're going to go away feeling like I'm adding bricks to your bag. <laughs> and that's why those words are so important in that quote, because of God's awakening grace. The more I understand God's mercy and grace in Jesus, the more I want to follow him and be like him. The point is that it's all grace. So to paraphrase, paraphrase Parnell, a disciple of Jesus is someone who wants to be like him because of what he's done. And so in this series, we're exploring discipleship and discipleship habits that Jesus has modeled for us. And this week's is Holy Spirit dependence. Jesus was dependent 
on the Holy Spirit, and so should we. And right from the top, it might seem a bit strange to even state that Jesus was dependent on anything. <laughs> Um, but he was dependent on the Holy Spirit, and the New Testament makes this clear. Uh, remember, Jesus was fully God and fully human. I don't want to go into the mysteries of the Trinity this morning, but Philippians 2.7 reminds us that Jesus emptied himself. It says that Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Because Jesus was human, it makes perfect sense that he was dependent on the Holy Spirit. And there are many passages that show Jesus was dependent on the Spirit. And I'm going to get you to have a look at some of these in your small groups this week. But very, very briefly, it was by the Spirit that Jesus was conceived he was anointed by the Spirit. He was filled with the Spirit. He was sealed by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. He was rejoiced in. And in Acts 1, it says that by the Spirit, Jesus gave commands. It was by the Spirit that he performed miracles. It was by the Spirit that he was raised to life. And Luke 4 makes it clear that the power to teach and to heal and to deliver came from the work of the Spirit in Jesus. And so we can see that Jesus was dependent on the Holy Spirit throughout his earthly life and ministry and where to model our discipleship on him. So we're going to look at a couple of passages in a little bit more depth this morning and unpack what it means that Jesus was dependent on the Spirit and then how that applies to us. So near the end of Matthew chapter 4, we've got the account of Jesus' baptism. And from verse 13, it says, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And so this passage marks the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. As Pete mentioned last week, Jesus had 30 years of preparation for his three years of ministry. And in, in a sense, this was one of Jesus' spiritual high moments. He was filled with the Spirit. And publicly announced as the one from heaven, Jesus was ready to go. As I said, he was full of the Spirit. He was ready to fulfill his purpose, ready to do what he had been getting ready for and ready to do the Father's will. And the very next passage seems quite odd. As Jesus said, we're expecting, as, sorry, as I just said, we're expecting Jesus to now hit the ground running to start teaching, to start preaching and healing and drawing people to himself. But that's not what happens. The next verse in Matthew 4 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And so right here is, is an important truth for us to ponder and to ingest. The Holy Spirit was there when Jesus had his high point, his baptism and very public confirmation of who he was. 
But the Holy Spirit was also there when he was in the wilderness in the time of testing. And in fact, Jesus was led by the Spirit into that time of testing. Isn't, isn't that the way? Can, can you relate? Have you ever had a time when, when God just feels so real, so, so close, you feel so loved, only to go through a time of testing soon after? Um, back in the day, I, I used to volunteer for Scripture Union, and, and every summer, uh, a team of us would head down to Queenscliff for a couple of weeks, and we'd run a coffee shop, and it was in the Christmas New Year period. It was a very uh, simple formula, really. There were pool tables, couches, live music, coffee, toasted sandwiches, and so on, and, and youth and young adults would walk in, and we would say good day to them, we would get to know them, and in time, we would share the good news of Jesus. And these missions were absolutely foundational in the formation of my faith. And in the transition of my relationship with Jesus being something that I just did with my parents to something that was truly mine, and, and they were the best of times. And looking back, I can remember times of answered prayer, of a unity of purpose within the team most of the time, where people were able to use their gifts Inspiring worship sessions, daily reading of the scriptures, um, people being saved, and a real tangible sense of the Spirit moving within us as individuals and as a team, as well as the Spirit working in the lost and drawing them to Jesus. And, and overall, it was just an amazing sense that we were doing exactly what God wanted us to do in making disciples. And it'd just be this two-week high. And then... There was the inevitable first night home, the first week back at work, the first Sunday back at church, which just wasn't the same. And for some, the first night at home was with a family who didn't know Jesus, and we used to call it the post-mission blues. I think it was more than that, though. This was a test. It was a test to see where we're going to continue tuning into the Spirit and depending on the Spirit for our identity and for guidance, or are we going to fall back into old habits? And so, you see, Jesus depended on the Spirit because he knew exactly who he was. He was God's Son, and his Father was pleased with him, but all of that was tested and questioned in the wilderness. So let's quickly have a look at the testing that happened to Jesus. Um, Matthew 4 verse 3 said the tempter came to him and and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And then there's Jesus' response. But you can see that Satan is questioning Jesus' identity. If you're so special, why are you in this situation? And verse 5, the devil took Jesus to the holy city and had him stand at the highest point of the temple, if you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. And then he quotes a psalm. If you're the Son of God, why are you hungry? If you're the Son of God, let him prove it to you. And then the, the last temptation is, is about all the kingdoms of the world and all the authority being given to Jesus, all the good stuff. And Satan is saying, surely you don't have to go through all of that pain. Surely you don't have to die on the cross in order for people to worship you. You don't have to go through all that suffering. I can give it to you right now. I can give it to you 
the easy way. When we depend on the Spirit for our identity, we know we're God's children. And in a sense, it's easy to believe that when we're going through the good times, the spiritual highs, when life's easy. But what about when the test comes? Which voice do you listen to then? It's in the wilderness when God feels a million miles away that we struggle sometimes. Who do you listen to? It's tempting to try to, to save ourselves, to fend for ourselves, to take shortcuts. But if we listen, the Spirit's right there reminding us of who we truly are and encouraging us to look beyond our immediate circumstances. And we need to depend on the Spirit so that we can remember who we really are, God's children. And consider these words from that wonderful chapter, Romans chapter 8. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. Now, if we are children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So that's the first key. Jesus depended on the Spirit to remind him of his identity, and this enabled him to stand firm when, he, when this was tested. And similarly, the Spirit testifies to us that we're God's children, and even our suffering is a reminder that we will share in his glory. And the second key is that depending on the Spirit will always push us out to serve others and to make disciples. So if we flick forward in Matthew to, four, to Matthew 14, it says this from verse 13, When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns, and when Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So what had happened, it says in verse 13, when Jesus heard what had happened, well, what had happened? John the Baptist had died. You can read about that in the first half of that chapter in Matthew 14, and he died because of a foolish, violent king who seemed to have a habit of making grandiose promises in front of attractive young women. And so Jesus' response to this news was to withdraw. He needed to be alone. He was mourning. Perhaps he, he needed time to pray, but maybe he was scared because he knew that he would die at the hands of corrupt leaders as well. This was a testing time. Remember, Jesus had chosen the hard road of servanthood rather than the tempting shortcuts Satan had put before him in Matthew 4. So given all of that, how does he respond to the crowd? He didn't respond with, I need more me time. <laughs> he had compassion on them, he healed the sick. And Jesus' dependence on the Spirit for his identity motivated him to serve because he knew who he was and he knew his purpose. And it's clear that the disciples don't get it. They want the crowd to clear off and fend for themselves, but Jesus wants to teach them compassion and reliance on God to provide. So verse 15 says, As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. And Jesus replied, They do, do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And then we have the account of the miraculous feeding of the 5,000. Jesus is never too busy for you. <laughs> and we should never be too busy for others. And as we depend on the Spirit, 
our desires will be transformed and will become more outward focused. When I was around about 14 or 15, I was at a youth convention and, and there would have been hundreds of kids there, two or, two or three hundred. And um, it was the classic youth convention, music bands, speakers and so on. And of course, me and my friends had hardly had any sleep in the three days that we were there. And it was the, um, the morning of the, the final presentation. And we had managed to get there on time and we sort of whispered to each other that we were a bit bored. And we decided to sneak out um, and go to our dormitory, play cards or some other naughty activity. And as we walked out, there was a girl about our age who was outside the auditorium, sitting on a bench by herself, no one around, and she was crying. There were tears just really flowing down her face. Um, and it was just a, it was a very confronting scene. And all of us, five or six of us boys saw her. And I had this unbelievably strong um, sense that the Holy Spirit was telling me to sit with her and to talk with her and to ask her if she was okay. And so I had these competing voices. One was my mates and one was the Holy Spirit. And I went with my mates and we were playing cards, we were laughing, we were hanging around and, and just enjoying each other's company. And, and, and about half an hour in, I just felt awful. I felt so guilty and the Holy Spirit was just working me over and just, I knew that I had to go back and sort this out. And uh, I just felt terrible. So I, I got up and I walked out and I walked towards the auditorium and this poor girl was still there, still crying, still by herself. And I sat with her and I just, you know, as confidently as a 15 year old boy can, <laughs> asked her if she was okay, knowing full well that she wasn't. And she proceeded to tell me all sorts of things about her family, um, about some of the awful things that had happened. And in the end, God used me and she was really blessed in that encounter. As we depend on the Spirit, we'll become more sure of who we are and what we are to do daily to make disciples. You see, I want to be more like Jesus who depended on the Spirit for his identity but was also motivated to have compassion on others even in the most difficult of times. The time I spoke to that girl was hardly difficult. It was just a case of peer group pressure. But over time, I can see incrementally, little by little, my desires changing because I'm learning to depend on the Spirit more. We should never be too busy for others. And as we depend on the Spirit more, um, what we think is crucially important will slowly but surely fade. God will change our desires over time so that we value love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control more and more. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for us so that we can have a relationship with you. Please, by your spirit, remind us of who we are, your children, and please by your spirit, help us to trust you more so that we can serve others and make disciples. Amen.